My friend Alex sings song on the right. Until it's okay. birthday. We ready? Patrick? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Patrick and Divya are gossiping over here, so we're hoping that, hoping that Cosima holds out. I think this is her first Q&A. Um, thank you, everyone, for coming. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> She's actually a polite baby we're working on. Water, water everywhere. A podcast where we will unravel some of the cultural, societal and economic challenges facing every precious drop. I'm Sophie Edmonds, CEO of the WaterSmart Foundation. This episode was recorded at home, where we hosted a pop-up and I chatted to Sadia Medvani, the founder of this eco-lux menswear brand, about the future of luxury and why his fashion is anything but fast. My 20-month-old daughter, Cosima, was a contributor too. Fashion is a form of ugliness so intolerable that we have to alter it every six months. Who said that? Definitely not the Queen. Oscar Wilde. Really relevant when we're thinking about fast fashion and in his time he certainly wasn't wearing polyester or nylon. It's not six months anymore. It's this relentless, endless newness, quick fixation that we constantly have, that's delivered to us, that's available. Um, that can either be returned, which is in itself really carbon intensive, or worn twice and dumped into landfill. So every second there is one truckload worth of fabric which gets dumped into landfill or incinerated. Advani is not the case. Um, so Satyam, can you tell us why uh, Oscar Wilde would like to wear your clothes for more than six months and why it's a more sustainable option than fast fashion? So in terms of Advani, it was about bringing real luxury back into clothing, which I personally felt had been lost quite a lot also in the luxury industry. And the inspiration came from pre-Second World War style of dressing where everything was about bespoke, very high quality, longevity of product. Like my brother, for example, would wear some of my great grandfather's Savile Row suits which are probably a hundred years old now. And that's, I guess, what we're trying to get at. And that's, that's the essence of the Advani product. How do we bring that back and bring that longevity back at a slow pace and introduce it to a customer that way? Yeah, absolutely. And when there are things which you can keep for a lifetime, we were at that place where where people would wear clothes that fit them and were beautiful. And we've evolved into this crazy place. And I've just been reading a lot about what it takes to, to make garments, and it is actually really intensive. So the garments that we, we do have, they should fit us properly, and they should work for us, and we should keep them. And they should be good enough quality that we can keep them for a long time. In terms of the industry, I think it's really interesting to put it in context. So it takes uh, 7,500 litres of water to make a pair of jeans. And that's the same amount of water that you need for a person for five years. And I'm really interested in that as, you know, with my work with the WaterSmart Foundation, uh, preserving, protecting water. 
Um, it, it would just be great to say here I use actually this thing called uh, the guppy, which is a, like a microfiber capture bag. Um, and that's something that everyone can do if you have any synthetic clothing already. You just put the synthetics into this bag and then into the washing machine because washing machines, the filters on them can't actually currently capture them. And what it also does is it's like a real physical reminder of um, I have, I own this synthetic piece of clothing and it stops me buying. Well, I don't really buy many clothes, when, but when I do buy them, I now I look at the fibre content and think, do I want to have to use that bag every time I wash it? What are the fibres that you use? It's Composition. Uh, all natural and I'm quite a purist that way as well. So it would tend to be 100% of that fibre as well. We work with some of the most sustainable mills in the world, so predominantly with wool, uh, with Loro Piana and uh, Vitale Barberis Canonico, which are among the top, well, Loro Piana is, is heralded to be the most sustainable wool mill in the world, and they have a very structured program in terms of how they use their water, how they give it back to the terroir, um, how they minimize their wastage, and then we try and bring whatever we can in that in terms of values to how we make. So one of the main things is we don't actually do high volume productions. In fact, we barely really do productions. If anything, they'll be small replenishments and the rest of the time it's largely a made to order business. And I was speaking to one of your friends about this earlier today. Um, it's almost like a blended offering because ultimately today's client does want the fast-paced feeling of something quite ready to wear, right? But what we want to try and bring back is the patience of slow fashion and the made-to-measure. So how do you really balance those interests? Where we then speak to the factory and we say, okay, can we work off the back of ready to wear, but then build in made-to-measure when it's needed? So we're not wasting resources, time, and obviously between paper, cotton, all of that to produce fresh sizes for everybody. We're just building it block by block as we go along. Yeah, and efficiency is absolutely key to this, isn't it? To, to more sustainable fashion and also the model that you have where it's, it's not retail, it's pop-ups and it's having that actual personal connection with clients so that there isn't waste. That's also a big part of it because once you get to know what your clientele is interested in and, and it's a very... Um, sort of um, very personal conversation you somehow evolve your designs based on those conversations which as you can imagine are quite eccentric sometimes as well but people have some present companies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> included <laughs> but um, you can come up with some amazing ideas and the thing is I don't personally believe in the idea of constantly having to create fresh product and fresh collections just for the sake of newness, right? Today you have the beauty of social media where if you want to present something in a different way just for that sort of newness, you have 50 different ways you can do it but that doesn't mean you actually need to change your product from scratch and sort of build all the waste into it to then have a whole new product that you're overproducing and oversampling and trying to get out there and then marking down as well just to be part of this cycle of newness which with the technology we have now is not really required. Yeah that's a really interesting point and there it is a problem that people feel that they need to wear a new dress on Instagram 
right? But as you said, there's just different ways of styling things or accessories that you can stop that. And I have to say, that's why I started off. We now have introduced a bit of women's wear, but I started off with men's wear because the whole concept was more of the same, more of the same repetition, buying into a whole look and an idea of carrying this longevity with you. Now, the other thing I experienced was I did not wear sustainable clothing until Advani, right? I, I was quite young and just sort of buying whatever I was buying as we've all done. And um, that shift, the way it feels, the way it feels on your skin, how your skin responds. I mean, you would know this better than anyone. I, I can't wear an H&M t-shirt anymore. Like my skin gets irritated. It's, it's, it's over. And uh, it's a great feeling. Yeah, and I was thinking about this in relation to, to men and women because men almost naturally, as you say, are wearing capsule collection. Anyone who works in the corporate world, they have three suits and a number of shirts and 15 ties or whatever it is. And that's it. So what could women's wear learn from men's wear? Well, women already start to wear the pants more these days, right? <laughs> In many ways. Yeah, so why not dress like it as well and kind of be more, allow yourself to be more structured and treat it a bit more like uh, the men used to and bring all of that back because the women have all the power and they need to show that and be free to. Hear, hear. I'm always really envious of men's shoes because they're so well, beautiful ones, of course. They're so... And they don't have heels, which helps. Well, they don't yeah. have heels. <laughs> but they're also, they just, you, you break them in and then you wear them for a really long time. So, um, now packaging. This is uh, something that's incredibly important because there's such a huge cost to packaging, which is often not borne by the companies yeah. that uh, produce or the people that buy the products. And when we're thinking about true cost, it's often the environment which is actually taking paying the toll for it, as well as any economic measures. What are you doing with packaging, and how do you how do you transport? <coughs> so there's two things actually. Um to come back to one of your earlier questions about the pop-up model, right? So two things that I found very wasteful and frou-frou when I started this, because I, I wasn't coming from the fashion industry, it was, why do we just put so much of this tissue and why is there so much emphasis on this thing that then gets thrown away and is actually compromising the actual quality of the product? So I decided to take a risk and I said, you know what, we're going to make packaging in India in a slum in Mumbai with some of the workers there that I happen to know and um, we just even though it doesn't really look particularly good it's it's made to last let's just try it out and the emphasis on that in front of the customer was look your money is not going into these fancy boxes that you then don't use your money is going into this product and into this service and if you buy into that and you have the confidence to buy into that which which i was lucky enough to find a client base that that do and i'm very proud of them for that they just don't care and it just proves that this whole frou-frou around the packaging is just about creating an image that is antiquated right and then coming back to the pop-ups, you, I mean, as, as many of us know, stores spend so much money on like fit-outs, which they're then changing every two or three years. And it's like a 
dust cloud on all the in all the luxury spaces all over the world every 3 years everything changes the beauty of the pop ups and the way we do it which which i'm sure you've seen as well it's just quite simple like the emphasis is just on the product on the sustainability on the story on the longevity and that's what you're actually carrying with you and wearing every day the rest of it is quite invisible and then you're also having an authentic experience when you come and you buy the thing and it is what i also really love about this pop up model is it brings back this sense of community which is which is something in the modern world and in a way it seems that consumption has taken over from community and that we value ourselves as consumers and i don't really want to be valued as a consumer i'd rather yeah i think that's the advantage also of being in the category that we're in which is more towards the formal wear and evening wear is that you're buying this product to wear it socially so already your approach to it is quite social and quite personal it's already a conversation right and then you're wearing it where you are having conversations and where your clothes are being noticed and then you have this cultural context and sustainability as the foundation so it's it's just a really nice way to experience fashion yes um so speaking of the foundation this is it's very exciting because this is the start of a new partnership between Advani and the Water Smart Foundation and there's a very beautiful shirt which uh you yeah, can let see me show it please yeah. show the shirt it's going to unveil the shirt yes and there's a women's and a men's there's shirt. a women's and men's version it uh, has an organic cotton from switzerland called alumo which is one of the most sustainable cotton mills in the world for shirting the design inspiration comes from the court dress of nepal in the 1940s and 1950s where there was an emphasis on on uh, buttons as a way for them to show prestige and the light blue color obviously was an idea when when we came up with the idea to collaborate on this for the water smart foundation we'd never made it in light blue before and we decided that that's probably the best color to represent everything the water smart foundation stands for and i have to say it's been really quite an amazing process just getting to know more about what the foundation does getting to know how involved Sophie is with it on so many levels personally professionally I mean, it's quite amazing what a big part of your life this cause is and it's it's quite a big inspiration so thanks oh, thank you so much well it's a real honor and uh, looking forward to many exciting but we've got some exciting projects coming up next year so watch this space um and then also if anyone wants to make a donation that's another nice thing for a christmas present making donations to the foundation and we have some reusable wheat straw bottles for anyone who wants to make a donation so that's in trying to move again away from necessarily physical stuff um donations are a really nice uh gift to give um so i'm curious what you think the future of of eco luxury the future of luxury might look like because we are at such difficult times fashion <coughs> attributes to 8% of carbon emissions and in terms of the pollution levels it's more polluting than aviation and maritime combined so it's absolutely massive and we are at this crisis this climate emergency where we need to start doing things and it has to affect everything so do you think that fashion is is going to respond and companies like yours can really thrive in this environment only one way to find out because we don't really have a choice right it's quite simple 
if uh, if you just don't have the option to go the other way you just innovate if you if you feel like you can carry on in an old way then then you're just stuck but uh it, in terms of how the big brands work i i i know that they're trying but it, it's challenging because you're dealing with such big organizations that are are dealing with very very old school ways of working and trying to innovate very fast which they might find tricky and that's also a competitive advantage for companies like us because uh, we have the chance to build that innovation in now rather than uh, waiting yeah it's hugely challenging it's systems change isn't it and it can take years for these things especially within big organizations but there does seem to be the will so i remain enthusiastic um, do you think we should ban flash sales like Black Friday? Honestly, yes. I feel like everyone else would throw a fit. But yeah, I mean, the whole thing is so wasteful. Mm. It's, um, the whole concept of a markdown fundamentally is, is, is a tricky one, especially in traditional fashion. I can understand why there's value in things like white goods or like, you know, much larger industrial goods. but. In terms of fashion, your markdown is simply a function of overproduction. That's literally why you markdown. There's no other reason, right? And that's a bit sad. Which is for anyone who's a business owner or or wondering about their contribution towards sustainability, um, that it's for us, especially having my own business, being in the creative space. You're quite often in this bubble where you're wondering, am I doing enough? Have I got there? Am I sustainable enough? Have I done this? And Sophie kind of, um, come on, come join on. us. Come on, Cosmo. You've done the tour anyway. Yeah. Uh, Sophie just stopped me and said, it's actually um, just about oh, being you. where you are and uh, making that, making that known. It's not about getting somewhere. But it's about making a constant effort and just being transparent about it, which was actually quite a relief. I mean, it's it's because you're so afraid that you're going to do something wrong or that you know making a mistake. But but you're doing really incredible things, and it's almost like you weren't talking about it, but for, for yeah. this reason. Yeah. And it is a process, and people don't have the answers yet because there's so many packaging alternatives, for example, which are in R and D. Um, so we will get there and it is and i think it's also about being honest to customers and saying this is the best thing that we're, we can do yeah. at the moment so yeah it's really great work and i guess it's tricky on the back end when you're running a fashion style of organization to really work out which elements are, are can be implemented easily and which can't and how so it's uh, really helpful to have your advice oh, i'm very happy to help on all of these things i'm very nerdy on, on please publish water. it is basically what I'm getting at <laughs> on water and packaging and all of these things yes the water smart shirts I know there's quite a few people in the, the company up in the Warwick who'd be interested but what, what, what's the sort of costing is the uh, they retail at 235 okay and you can just order them with me and then we donate a part of the proceeds to the Water Smart Foundation. So what proceeds go? I think it's 10%. 10 sizes and... Yeah, just the collar size for the shirt. I can also send you a link for the to a size guide. Yeah. Also, we can exchange information. Yes. So coming from a fashion background, I would say 
one of the things I realised, work, especially working in retail, is um, that people are very unimaginative about how they wear their clothes. And if they're in, if they have a wardrobe full of clothes, they don't necessarily see outfits. So as part of a service, if you're if you're in that mindset to kind of encourage people to buy pieces that are going to stay and, and be valued in their wardrobe that they wear is potentially to to encourage them to reinvent them. So maybe offering stylists that could go in that actually you sell, you know, because I always used to say to people, and I used to sell really well, I used to say to them, and inspiring them, and also <coughs> making them feel comfortable that you're not just trying to sell them stuff, yeah. you're actually trying to help them. Yeah. And that's quite a nice way. Between this this sort of like creative and design on one end and client, in the <laughs> it's you're blending the process. Yeah. So you're literally, exactly as you say, just saying what is it that really inspires you? And then through the language and the quality and the sustainability of the Advani sort of DNA and yeah. the individual style of the customer, you actually design like a bespoke product which Absolutely. can be whatever they want as long as... Incorporated. I think that's key though. Oh, and they came up with some great ideas as well and, and many of them got added into our collection, fantastic. Yeah, but rather than it. just adding to your collection, to have a service that actually assists people and that people trust you so much more if they them from something they ex they own as well yeah it's really interesting and it, interesting and it, and actually, and it actually and it all in the new right? and gets them into the mindset that they can go and buy extra pieces that will add to their wardrobe rather than thinking oh sh i've got to get rid of that completely and start again and actually refreshing it it could be a really nice yeah way. thanks yeah. So how do you see technology interfering with this service, perhaps, in a way where you can offer partly maybe customizing online or um, having this, uh, um, it's just in my imagination at the moment, but I have work, um, my husband uh, ordered quite a few um, sustainable cotton t-shirts from uh, <coughs> Scandinavian company okay. that was offering this online bespoke service that tailors it to your perfect dimension so it fits, it always comes in the wrong size. This is the Which thing, is the, uh, with yeah. online tailoring, at least so far, obviously yeah. it's something I explore on a regular, but have never seen it to work at, at a higher end level, yeah. as long as you're willing yeah. to pay a lower price and, and when the sizing is not great or something. I would say it was more of, I want to go online and just do it rather than go to obviously fitting. So what I'd like to build in and what I've been looking at for a long time, which we are now doing in a more manual way, but to policy, especially because it's menswear, and men just don't fundamentally like to shop. You have to make it really easy, right? So once you've met them once and you have their details on file, it's very easy for them to reorder. So as much as possible, we just try and do it that way so they don't have to keep uh, each time for a fitting. You know? Well, it was interesting when we were speaking earlier with Zenia about um, men not wanting to shop and once you've taken those measurements once, yeah. then they don't need yeah. to come back. Yeah. So yes, we're not there yet with technology solutions, are they, of like, mapping bodies? There's been attempts, yeah. There are <laughs> There's a lot of scanning software. Mm. It's just that ultimately, and, and I, I, get, I don't know if you saw a few people trying on the Advani, like, you know, the silhouette's very specific. Yeah, and uh, it's a nice drop, yeah, yeah. but it's uh, it's about also communicating that in the right way. And I found the clientele 
they, they want that sort of, uh, I don't like to call it hand-holding, it's not the right term, but they want that attention to detail, face-to-face, yeah. especially going when going for the more evening wear yes, kind of thing. Yeah. But obviously if, it, if it's about shirts and things, yeah, it's quite easy. Once we have their sizing, they're just buying them repeatedly. Does anyone else have any questions, comments? Why would just be on the, some of the materials and manufacturing process? Sorry? On the materials and manufacturing process. Materials and manufacturing process. Yeah, well, I was speaking a little bit about the wool mills that we work with and yeah. the cotton mills as well, who are just very um, sustainable, and that's what we one of the main reasons why we choose to work with them. In terms of manufacturing, large um, handmade approach. So in terms of um, the amount of materials ordered, the way the patterns are structured, the way the cutting and sewing process happens, we're just minimizing the waste as much as we can. Now obviously there are elements of design that do call for wastage and with those we're saving the scraps and uh, sari brocade. Now obviously to make the motifs match the way they do, there is wastage. But she, for example, has retrained weavers in India who would have otherwise probably had nothing to do on how to use these scraps to weave them into carpet. So we've kept all the scraps for four years now. So you do pre-orders as well? Yeah. yeah. Pre-order and made-to-order both. We just try to get as much feedback before production as we can. Do you offer a discount in the pre-orders? might encourage people. If yeah. they're a, if they're a, a, um, a repeat customer, they know and trust you. They know that their shirts are there, and you go, okay, this is, and then you know you know you know your quantities. You probably sell less, um, have less wastage. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's huge in the in the. I just struggle with discounts, like. Mm -hmm. Maybe rename them. Yeah. Like, like if, you have a, if you have a customer, like a, like a loyalty cust program. Exactly. If you yeah. are a loyal customer, yeah. then you have maybe it's about rebranding. Because the many of the customers I find, because they're so um, taken by the longevity of it, the discount is quite off putting. But it's not necessarily they a discount. They feel like they're buying something like cheap. I also find it annoying that I pay full price for some clothes and then, like, this three is months it. later, this is the it's other like 50% off. Like, but you've had them for that three month period. It doesn't matter. What is 12 weeks in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, however, if you're buying something in the, at the beginning of the summer, then you've had the summer to buy it to wear them. It's still annoying. It is annoying, but that is the fashion industry. They've got to completely rethink. Yeah. To buy clothes from a place that doesn't give a discount, personally. Right okay, what I'm trying to think price. is maybe how, how to engage people so that, so number one, the waste, the, the, the millions of billions of pounds worth of product is, is literally burnt. But Burberry burn millions of pounds worth of product because they don't sell it and they don't want to devalue the, the, their, their product. It's disgusting. They, they, but they've, they've been known to, sell, to burn their product. But if you have a, if you have a, I'm trying to think of like the conversation about how to actually encourage people to pre-order so that you don't, so maybe it isn't a discount, but, but if there's some kind of loyalty that they are encouraged to, 
essentially let you know what they I mean, the want before you've made business it. business at the moment largely operates on effectively what you're saying, but at full price. Because I think the client actually should get more used to the idea of buying it at full price in advance so that the company is not overproducing and wasting, yeah. rather than being rewarded for buying it in advance. If the whole world were a bit more decisive about what they wanted to wear, we wouldn't even have this whole fresh, fresh, fresh thing in the fashion industry. No, but you know with factories yeah. that if you go to a factory, if you know, if you uh, if you order a product of, you know, 5,000 to 10,000, then that bracket will sit within the same remit as 10,000 to 15. It actually makes sense for you to order more. That's why fashion brands create so much product because they might The factories have, have to change the way they work as well. So for example, our factory, we're pushing them more and more out of that. And the, the business model is changing into what I was saying about a blended offering of ready-to-wear and made-to-order. Mm. And they're charging us effectively a ready-to-wear price plus certain modification prices. And now what we're trying to switch them over to is almost a retailer model rather than a number of pieces model. Because otherwise they also incentivize to push you to produce more. Whereas if it's just a monthly retainer, their 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 whole way of working is completely different and they're actually surprisingly <laughs> quite open to it. Yeah. I mean there's a lot of tug of war, but uh they, they start to get it. They so start to get that if they don't evolve in that direction, they're not gonna remain in business for that long. And this is this is a bigger point, isn't it, that also as consumers we're 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 almost like Roman senators in our expectations that everything has to be price competitive, which means cheap. And because of having more information than we've ever had in human history people can make these price comparisons and they want it now and they want it as cheap as possible but cheap always has a cost mm. to my previous point from somewhere it's just not mm. the, necessarily the companies or the people buying it so it is it, it does need to be a shift away from mm. from these current models and that also does take a responsibility from individuals to to be aware of this and to see through all of these a price point or a system and to just make more responsibility as individuals because I think you know we can we are all responsible if we're wearing something and we're making these decisions we are actually all participating in the system and we can make different choices I understand what you what you mean, and perhaps it's good to have some kind of incentive, which doesn't have to be necessarily discount. Yeah, maybe some kind of that awareness and that mindset. Yeah, and even if it's like a particular creating a particular type of membership, and they're having of course there's always a way. Yeah, there's a way of not devaluing your product for sure. Yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, ultimately, is there? Should not should the bigger brands who are literally burning their product should they be penalised for this? You know, there's things like this that needs to be we need to recognise that we yeah we cannot keep overproducing. It's the overproduction that's that's sort of putting such a weight on on this conversation. It's yeah it needs to change. And I guess when you speak it o- about overproduction, it's fast fashion who's where, where that conversation mm. is really a problem. Yes, the Burberry thing is, is also, it, it's, it's horrible. But I mean, when you look at what the fast fashion brands do, I, oh my absolutely. God. Absolutely. But it's, it's, it is that the reality, 
is Hello. the factories will give Hi. you discounts. They will make that product so much more economical for you yeah. if you order in bulk. And that's got to change. They really have to rethink that. Mm. They really do. So you're putting them on a retainer now? I'm trying to, and they're getting more and more open oh, towards okay. it. Already they're so much more flexible than they used to be, which was like, oh, if it's a made-to-measure product, then we have to do everything from scratch. And then obviously the, the whole wastage factor is quite different as well. It's just not the kind of business I wanted to create <coughs> specifically. Um, but then the charges are double, and then it's like, okay, then we're in a whole different price bracket, right? But now if you're going for ready-to-wear and you want to scale a business up, the only way to do it traditionally is how you described, just overproduce. For either A or B, I refuse. So we need something blended, where somehow we win and you win. And then they've been quite open, actually. There's two factories and they've been quite open, and now we're speaking to the third one as well. I think you have to really inspire them, give them a lot of love and education and really bring them into the field of what it is you're doing, like energetically, spiritually, mentally, everything. Mm. Then they start to transform the way they view it. Yeah, the fashion industry is changing. It's, it's quite an amazing time. And the one thing that people don't realize, I mean, you guys, many of you are in the industry, so I'm sure you do, but like... Your, what you wear on your skin and the communication that has with what's going on in your body and who you are and how your heart is actually opening is, is so much closer than we think. Like, it's unbelievable how that can change if you're willing to make conscious decisions. Yeah, and there's something really powerful about living in line with your ethics. Yeah. And as you say, it's something which is so close to us. They just, we just, it's, it's almost like we were not. To, I, at least I wasn't told that growing up, like, okay, what you're wearing uh, on your body is the closest thing to your heart, really. And, and it's a reflection of who you are. Yeah, not just outside, but whatever's happening on the inside as well. Absolutely. Well, Cosm is wearing a, a vintage dress from Byron Bay. <laughs> nice. So, because having, having a child, the consumption is also yeah. just crazy. Like, the turnover and what people give you... Um, and we were talking earlier about plastic toys and, and things like this. It's really a huge effort to get away from it. Um, but vintage stuff is, is just really a great way to go with, with babies because they hardly wear things. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, she was a bit noisy but <laughs> participating in the conversation. Does anyone have any other questions or should we have a cocktail? I think that's a very true cocktail. So, yes, thank you. Thank you, you everyone. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Bravo. And then, if you have any other questions for me personally or about the collection or anything, speak to me. If you don't get a chance to speak to Seth, um, anything that you buy today, we will make a donate. A significant portion of the proceeds will be donated um, to the WaterSmart Foundation. The shirts, anytime, those blue shirts, anytime you buy them, we will donate 10% of the proceeds, whether it's through our website, through me personally, through Sophie, however you choose to do it. So just follow up with us. Um, and for anyone who's in London around this week and next week, we have a pop-up on Mount Street. Uh, it's directly across Scott's, number 97, uh, open from Tuesday to Saturday, 11 to 6. So just comment whenever. I should be there most of the time as well. Great.
Yeah, we're going to come and see you there. Yeah. Is, that the, is that in the gin palace? Is, it? is that in the old pub there? No, it's in what used to be called Mount Gallery. Okay. At Parmigiani, the Italian watch store. Yeah, that works. It's a really nice place, actually. I know London by pubs, and and they're refurbished. Wow. Yeah, the Audley, right? It's been refurbished. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Water Water Everywhere. I'm Sophie Edmonds in conversation with Satyam Advani and lovely guests at home, including the rather vocal Cosma. You can follow us at, at Watersmart Foundation WSZ and the website is watersmartfoundation.com. Thanks for listening.